Hey fellow romance readers, I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and this is Post Book Depression. You know that feeling you get when you finish a good book that you didn't want to end? Have you finished a book and just weren't ready to move on from the story and its beloved characters? You find yourself needing just a little more? Well, this multi-trope romance podcast gives you the opportunity to dig deeper with us into books we love as we discuss all the reasons we can't move on. Feeling chatty? You can continue the conversation with us on Instagram at Post Book Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Post Book Depression discussion group. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and take a brief moment to leave a review. Are you ready? Let's discuss. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are back, and today we are so excited to discuss If We Disappear Here by Mindy Hayes. The first few minutes, we will do a brief review of the story without any spoilers, and then we're going to shift into a deeper book discussion, which will include some spoilers, but we will let you know before we start the discussion portion. If We Disappear Here is a compelling psychological thriller that is centered around Maeve Campbell and Ledger Abbott. When Maeve and Ledger, who are complete strangers, wake up in a concrete room together, neither has any memory of how they got there or who has taken them. Their captor quickly makes his presence known, and he begins to taunt, torment, and torture them for months to come. During that time, the two cling to each other for survival and form an unbreakable bond. This riveting story keeps you hanging on the edge of your seat. It is full of unexpected twists and turns from beginning to end. It's so good. Amy, what did you think of this story? Sarah, this was an intense story of psychological and physical endurance. And I thought the angst components were very heavy, but the underlying love story was so personal and intimate. The things that they endured together were extremely intense and emotional. And I felt like this was a gripping story and I really enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed this story. I agree with you. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump right into our ratings. Angst, gritting teeth emojis. How many did you get? <laughs> Angst was high. 4.25 for me. Okay. So it was so heavy what they had to live through. And I felt like that was the driving force of the angst in this story for me. Yeah. I gave it a five. Okay. Because I, it's starts, You're not wrong. <laughs> it starts off like from the get-go. It is angst. And it kind of continues throughout the entire story. That it really does. I couldn't see where it was going to go, how mm-hmm. it was going to end up. And I felt very anxious and nervous. So, yeah, it was a five star for me. Okay. Okay. So, humor, laughing emojis. How many did you rate it? There wasn't a ton of humor. I gave it 0.5 out of five. There were a few chuckling moments in this story, but no, like, laugh out. This definitely was not a a comedy by any means. No, it wasn't. I started to give it zero, but then I recalled a couple of moments that made me laugh out loud or just kind of chuckle in my head. So I gave it a two or a point two five. Okay, that's so, fair. We're yeah, close. It was low because I thought it's not quite zero, but it's pretty close yeah, to zero. It's not a comedy, folks, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, spiciness, fire emojis. So I gave it 0.5 out of five because I felt like the suspense storyline took the primary role in this story, but it had some very intimate scenes. And let me be clear that intimate scenes don't necessarily translate to spicy scenes. I agree with that. I gave it a 0.25 again. Okay. Because like you, it wasn't a spicy scene. It was intimate moments, but unless you read it, it's hard hard to describe what I'm meaning by when I say intimate. I'm not necessarily saying it's intimate because it was sexual acts. Correct. Happening. I agree. So yeah, there it was definitely more angst. Okay. Tears, crying emojis. So I gave it two out of five. I didn't cry, but I felt, I didn't even tear up, but I felt like the subject matter was so heavy mm-hmm. and sad. That's why I gave it two out of five. Yeah. I gave it a three out okay. of five because I felt the same. I never cried, but... I felt very strong emotions throughout. It was so heartbreaking what they endure Mm -hmm. and just physically, mentally, emotionally. So yeah. I agree. Um, Overall. So I gave this one 4.25 out of 5. Okay. It had some twists and turns I didn't see. There were some intriguing components to the storyline and the journey of their endurance honestly to me was very inspiring. Okay. I gave this one a five. Oh my goodness. Okay. I love that. You gave I it loved a five. It. it. It was so different from what we've been reading. Yes. And I did not expect the ending and it just stayed with me. It was so good that I had to give it a five star. I it love that. Really it was good. a great it's, story. It's never going to leave my mind. That's, that's <laughs> kind of the reason. So I agree. So that concludes the spoiler free quick review of this story. Now we are going to shift into the deeper discussion portion, which will include spoilers. If you haven't read this story, 
please go check it out and come back and listen to our discussion. And then let us know your thoughts on the story on our Instagram post book depression podcast or on our Facebook and our post book depression discussion group. You can also email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. Sarah, this story is so gripping and I cannot wait to get into the details in this discussion. So let's kick it off, shall we? Let's do it. So let's start with Maeve and Ledger waking up in the concrete room. They're strangers. They wake up and they're stuck in this room, basically, with just the two of them trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, Okay, well, first, I loved how it started because she started with the drip, drip drip and she wakes up to that. I love the way that that was written and just, but how startling would that be to wake up somewhere you don't know and you look over and she thought it was her husband. Mm -hmm. And when he turns around and it is not Ashton, whoo girl, I was thinking, what is happening right now? Why were these two people taken? And how terrifying. How terrifying. And if it were me waking up, realizing it's not my husband, I would immediately, once I realized the precariousness of the situation, I would start to question if the man in the room with me is the one who captured me. I would too. And she kind of briefly is thinking, could he be the one? It isn't until the puppeteer, their captor, starts talking to them through that speaker box that they had in the corner. But until that moment... I would be thinking that. I would be thinking he's trying to not get caught. He's manipulating me. Mm -hmm. I I can't even fathom enduring something like that. And and not knowing the connection as to why... You know? there's, a, there's a lot of mind games ahead mm-hmm. for them, and it starts out right there when they wake up. So let's, let's shift into when the puppeteer introduces himself. Oh, man. It was like the scariest movie. I was reading. I was I was reading it and I was thinking, this is like a terrifying movie. Yes. <laughs> when the person comes on, you can like taunting. Do you picture like the scary clown? Because I did. Um, no, but thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, I pictured I've never seen any of the Saw movies, but I know like the Yeah, character. like the little like that white kind of character Okay, is he thing? a clown? I don't know. I mean know. in my mind. That is who I pictured but also. But the red and yeah, like white the... spiral eyes yes. or whatever. Yes. So that's what I pictured. Me I, too. I thought they were going to go into a whole saw How scenario. strange that we both had that same image. That's funny. Have we, you seen those movies? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. No. So now I'm like, well, maybe that's why. <laughs> no, I've never seen them. I've just seen the um, the imagery for them. Yeah, that's what I had in my head. To be fair, I think probably some of that is from the circus music that he played. That's probably when I legitimately started thinking that's what he looked like. Okay, yeah, that might have been when I did too. <laughs> I'm trying to think what I was thinking at the beginning of when I thought thought that but didn't he at that point already come in in a hood yeah and his mask mm-hmm. so I, think, I so. think it had to have been earlier on for me but anyway okay. that's crazy that we both thought that so the puppeteer basically has them in this concrete room he doesn't give any indication of why they're there they're trying to figure it out as time is passing hours minutes we go into a series of of methods of torture and there are several and we're gonna Mm -hmm. we're gonna hit on each one of these we're not gonna spend a ton of time on each one but I do want to hit on these and then just kind of talk in general about the entire torture aspect of them which is predominantly the first two-thirds of the book wouldn't you agree yeah so it starts with their starvation methods he initially only gives them one single tray of food to share he does end up giving them one each every other day after that with one glass of water each so i'm just going to quickly list them okay and then we'll go back and talk through yeah let's do it so we have the food that i mentioned in the water every other day then it goes to extreme cold in the room to extreme heat Then we have the carnival music, the 30 seconds of that carnival. kind of reminded me of the ice cream truck playing Uh on repeat. Then to complete darkness, you also have the beatings that he gives them when they disobey. The separation or the isolation when they were by themselves. We have the drowning scene. And then we have him cutting Maeve when she was disobedient. Mm -hmm. So let's go through each one of these and talk through the psychological ramifications of each one of those. So I want to ask you about the food. They were given a tray of chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, and green beans with gravy. Sounds like a pretty hearty meal, but to eat that every, every other day for eight months. Oof. Yeah, well, you think it sounds like a hearty meal, but then you have to remember it's a TV tray dinner. That's true. So 
It's not really. And they have to eat it with their fingers. They have to eat it with their fingers. When they get to the point where she thinks she's going to be sick if she has to eat it anymore and he threatens to feed her and she doesn't want his hands (laughs) in her mouth Uh because they're so filthy. Yeah. I related to that because as I was reading it, I was sick to my stomach for them, Mm -hmm. even though they're in starvation mode. Can you even imagine having to eat that slop? Because it's not even hot all the time. No. Sometimes it's lukewarm or it's cold. So I think that I would probably be the same as Maeve. I would not be inclined to want to jump to that tray after a certain period of time. At what point in time do you think you would just be like, I can't handle another chicken fried steak? After what period of time do you think in your mind? Well, it's a while before they start getting two trays and they're only fed every other day. So... I think it would be once I'm getting more stable meals or or more consistent meals. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a full tray to myself. Mm -hmm. That's probably when it's going to hit. Do you think like weeks, days? Yeah. That's kind of when it hit for them. Yes, because for me, it would have to be weeks because I already eat the same thing every day. (laughs) (laughs) You do. I do. I'm a creature of habit. And but you don't just eat the same. No, one meal. no, no, so no. You do no. have a little bit of variety. No, but yes, I you do are have the habit. same. I have like the same breakfast most days. Every now and then I'll veer off like on the weekends if I make a big meal, and then I eat the same lunch pretty much. Like I have two or three lunches that I make, and I alternate them when I get tired. Mm-hmm. I could do that. I have done that. Mm-hmm. Where you eat the same thing every day for weeks on end. Well, I mean, like you. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I follow what you're saying. It would take a while. I did find it interesting that when they were talking about what she was, they were going to eat if they got out of there. And he said garlic mashed potatoes. And I thought, bro, (laughs) you are not going to touch mashed potatoes for the rest of your life. Ever. Any potato. Potatoes are going to make you angry. Uh huh. Oh, yes. Like rage. You see a potato chip, that's a fried potato. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. You're you're not going to touch them. But I don't think he knew that at that point. No, I don't think so either. uh, But I was with Maeve. I was like, yeah, double cheeseburger and crispy fries. Give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want all the time. It's my comfort food. So let's shift onto the cold. So for Mm. me, being cold is one of the most miserable things to me. In the wintertime, if I get cold and I am chilled to the bone, it takes me hours and hours and hours to finally thaw out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I hate being cold. And when I realized that they did not have on socks, I wear socks all the time. I wear socks in my house. If I don't have on socks, I have on little slipper house shoes, even in the summer. It's like 110 degrees here and I still have to have my slippers on because my feet are absolutely freezing all the time so that description was absolute torture for me and then when he tosses in those wool socks and they're soaking wet Mm. or they're wet damp whatever I was so annoyed because that scene later on when they get their own clothes and she pulls on those comfy clothes because they've kind of been in jeans or Mm -hmm. whatever and she pulls on the socks I just wanted to weep for her because you take those things for granted, I think. You You bring up the jeans, which makes me chuckle because it wasn't until that moment that I realized she'd been in jeans this whole time. Mm -hmm. And then my mind went on a backlog, like reliving all the things that she just lived through in jeans. Mm -hmm. Ugh. It's, uh, their, their discomfort was just, you could, tangible, you could feel it. So, the cold, I think, would be one of the worst things for me. The I, cold would be the worst. I don't recover well from the cold. Now, the heat, I think I probably could endure. I love summertime. I love the heat. So. See, I don't like it that hot. Well, I mean, I like, like it better gotta, the There's a line. You can only <laughs> shed so many layers. But then again, it's like you can, I mean, they had no layers to put on. With the cold, the problem for me would be if I was that cold and I'm sleeping on a concrete floor, mm-hmm. your body is already aching. Yeah. Ugh. That'd be the worst. Hard but I think the, the extreme cold and extreme heat would just be unbearable. They're all horrible. All of these scenarios are absolutely horrible. Of the two, I'd rather be hot than cold. Let's move on to the carnival music. And I'm a little bit excited to talk about this one because I went on a little bit of a deep dive. Okay. I wanted to know if you could actually have some psychological torture from playing a song over and over again. So I went on a deep dive and I found that music torture is a legit thing. In fact, the CIA uses it. And I have a list of a few songs that they are rumored to use as music torture for people that they capture in captivity in the CIA. Oh, please share. Okay. (sighs) So the number one on the list was We Are the Champions. (gasps) 
by Queen. Uh, yes, I'm aware. I'm a big fan of Queen. Mm-hmm. That is a torture song? Yes. The second one that is listed is The Real Slim Shady by Eminem. Stop. No, <laughs> Can it's... you imagine having to listen to that on repeat? I can see where that would torture you after a while. Dirty by Christina Aguilera is <gasps> one. What? That's a great jam. I'd be like working out. <laughs> My absolute favorite one is the Barney song, I Love You, You yeah, Love no, Me. I, I'm dead already. <laughs> I absolutely dead agree already. with that one. The second... They play that. I would be bashing my head against the wall. I'd be like, well, this is how it ends. Goodbye. When my niece was very small, she was a toddler. She lived with us for a little bit, and she loved Barney. And I just immediately could think of all the times on repeat she would watch the same episode over and over. Mm. And of course, he sings it in every one. And I immediately thought of that. And yes, it is very torturous. It's torturous. Yeah. I was never a Barney fan. I had a friend that was a Barney fan, and I could not understand that because even as a kid I knew that that song (laughs) is torture so the CIA did not need to tell me that because I could have told them that I was thinking about that because it reminded me of the scene in The Walking Dead when is it Daryl that gets put into I haven't watched that oh my goodness I'll take your word okay well Walking Dead fans you know there's a scene that Daryl gets put in and they play this song on repeat over and over and over and over and over and he So I was picturing something like that, but when it is for days on end and then they start crying Mm -hmm. when it shuts off. mm. That really speaks to you, doesn't it? For someone who enjoys music so much to have to listen to the same song over and over again. Can you imagine how torturous that would be? I mean, it kind of makes me wonder, like any song, I'm surprised by the Queen song. Mm -hmm. I love Queen. I think it would be true for any song. Having to listen on repeat. Mm. Now, these are all alleged songs, okay. I will say. Oh, okay. Nothing so. concrete. It's, you know, it's on the interwebs, so anything can sure. be true. Somebody out there. That was not from Queen. Wikipedia, but, <laughs> but I would say that these are some alleged songs. How oh, can we really man. verify? But Okay. So that one, yeah, felt very torturous to them. And then to go straight into the pitch black darkness. No. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. I found it very sad that they had to sleep with nightlights when they finally escaped. I found it sad that they did not, when she asked him to come over and hold her hand, I understand that these are two married people. They are so in love with their spouses and they're trying to keep some distance some separation. I also think it's a little bit of, you know, they're trying to protect themselves because they may not be with each other. They Mm -hmm. may have to survive on their own. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought when the lights went out, how could you just separate? I would need them by me. You don't even have to, like, touch me. Right. But I need you by me in case this crazy dude comes in here. Right. And takes one of them. Because there were, there were scenes where he did come in to drop the food. You know, yes. they raised the little. So it was clear he could get in without them knowing. Yes. So Ugh. I, that one was pretty unbearable for me. Mm-hmm. I, I would choose some of the others over that one. I think so, too. Now, I will say I would probably choose Darkness over the music. Really? Yeah. Because if he was by me and I could talk to somebody, I think I would be okay. But I couldn't listen to music. What was it? Like five days? It was forever. It was <laughs> almost a week. Yeah. And he's... Tor- uh, no. And it's... I didn't imagine... Ada was it. on full blast. It was, I was going to say, it wasn't quiet. It was on full blast. And they couldn't even have a conversation. They couldn't have a conversation. They couldn't sleep. Mm. They could oh, not yeah. sleep. Do you remember that? Yes. Was, they were so sleep deprived. So okay. I would take darkness over music any day for sure. Okay. Mm. I think you have a good point there. I, I wasn't originally thinking about all that, but the lack of sleep, I think, would really do me in. You just really start to lose your mind a bit. Yeah. So I know that we talked about the beatings being one of the next torture um, aspects for them. But to cover that, we have to talk a little bit about Ledger's faithfulness to Becca and his respect for Maeve when the puppeteer forces them to or tries to force them to have sex with one another. Mm -hmm. And they refuse to do that. So let's spend some time talking about that and the importance of the integrity of, of those characters. That scene, well, they I think at that point, they were only down there for like six days. It wasn't very long. It wasn't very long. It wasn't even a week. And when he says, have sex with her, oh, my heart dropped. You don't know what the other person's going to do. Right. You have no idea what they're thinking. You have no idea what they're going to do to try to survive. Because at this point, they hadn't really talked much. All they've really done is try to find the connection of why they're down there together. They couldn't figure that out. And he's already annoyed by her chattiness. Yeah. So when that happens, 
I was elated when Ledger says, no, I am not doing that. Me too. I am not going to be unfaithful to my wife. And he is basically like, I will put a bullet in her head if you don't. And he just stands his ground. Because you know that if he hadn't stood his ground in that moment, then all of his integrity would be gone in that instant. And anything that the puppeteer asked of him from that moment forward. It's like Ledger was very adamant on losing, not losing that part of themselves. Yeah. And I was thankful that Maeve was happy with that decision. I do think it startled her because then we know the puppeteer comes down and drags Ledger out. Mm Mm-hmm. And then beats him severely and Maeve is just losing her mind because she doesn't know if he's going to come back. Right. And it's hours. Yeah. Hours of being alone. And she's thinking, you know, to herself, I would rather him be here. I don't know him, but I would rather have somebody here with me than be alone. Absolutely. Because you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's going to come around the corner. You don't know what this psychopath is going to do to you. So I was very thankful, but oh man, it was so hard when he dropped him back in that room and he is beaten so badly. Were you surprised? Because at this point, we don't really know Ledger. We don't know his character. We don't know much about him. Were you surprised that given a life and death situation, he would choose death over being unfaithful to his wife and disrespecting Maeve at the same time? No, I don't think I I don't think I was. No, it's so hard because he really was gambling with her life. Mm hmm. But he was also gambling with his. Right. And he makes the point to her, I think, at that, that this is all psychological to this guy. This is a mind game. We are not going to give in to this. So no, I wasn't. Were you? I was pleasantly surprised. Okay. Because I would have expected, just for the sake of a story, uh-huh. that they would have. Interesting. I was pleasantly surprised because, I mean, you and I have read another psychological thriller where the hero and heroine were put into an abduction situation and they were held at gunpoint and forced to have sex with one another. And in that story, they did. And so I think in my mind, I was fully expecting them to surrender to that. So I was pleasantly surprised when he chose not to. I agree. I actually thought what was going to happen is that the puppeteer was going to come in there and I thought he was going to rape her. That's what I thought. I thought that as well. I'm very thankful that he was not a sexual predator in me, that way. Me too. I, I, I'm very thankful that he was not because that story easily could have taken that turn and I'm glad that it didn't. So that leads me to ask you this. If he wasn't a sexual predator, why do you think he had them bathe each other? Oh, I got the impression that he was trying to break them so that they would cheat on their spouses. I'm inclined to agree. And I really thought that that was his whole motive. The entire time reading it, because it seemed like he kept coming back to that, making them bathe each other, have sex with her. Oh, you're not going to do that still? Okay, let's go for another beating. So I was imagining that if they ever did succumb to that, that he would end them then. That's what I thought his motive was. I couldn't understand another reason for that. Like his motivation was to, to get break them, them to break. And when get they, them to break, yeah. Once he breaks, then the game's over and he can move mm-hmm. on. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought was going to take place. So I don't know. What was your thoughts on it? No, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think it was more the act of them surrendering to his control and the psychological aspects of that and taking their pride mm-hmm. and any modesty that they felt like they had in that room, mm-hmm. stripping them of that. That was so heartbreaking, too. It really was. They're so dirty. They just want to bath. And when he says, no, bathe each other, the shock in that moment. And then he gets, Ledger gets taken and beaten again. And by the time they do get to take a bath, he is in such physical pain. His skin is broken everywhere. He's bruised up. And the water's cold. I'm pretty sure he put ice in the water. Because she talked like it was Oh, yeah. Really I cold. think he did. I, yes, I think he did. So it just. such cruelty because then you're already in this cold room. You have no socks. You're already freezing. You're on the verge of hypothermia Mm -hmm. at this point. And she's a doctor. So in her mind, she keeps thinking those thoughts. Yeah. Is we're going to get hypothermia. I enjoyed that point of view, just having a doctor's perspective throughout the story and all the physical Mm -hmm. things that their bodies were having to endure. When she knows their bodies are shutting down Mm -hmm. and she can kind of pinpoint how long they'll have left. Yeah. Yeah. That was really hard. I think that would be worse for her than him. I think so too. Well, and then she kind of 
explains the whole darkness thing mm-hmm. of what's going to happen if they stay in darkness. And she says it makes you tired or sleepy, sleepiness. And he goes, oh, no, not sleep. Kind of joke. That was <laughs> yeah. one of like the humor because they get dark humor after yeah. a while. Because what else are you going to do? You have to laugh. You're mm-hmm. being held hostage. There's the scene where the puppeteer takes Maeve because she wanted to take Ledger's place. Because he's so badly beaten. Didn't he have broken ribs still at that point? He did. So she thought he would die if... Yeah, with the internal blood, mm-hmm. internal bleeding. Here's what I found interesting. Ledger had to stay awake through his beating. But when he cut, when the puppeteer cuts Maeve so many times, she's knocked out for it. Why do you think he did that? I really wish they would have explained this. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed that they didn't because all it left was speculation as to why he would do that. And I don't have an answer for it. I really don't. Especially knowing in the end why he took her. Right. You would think that he would want her to be awake to fill every single moment of that torture. Yeah, I am inclined to agree with you there because of, you know, like you said, when we find out in the end why he actually took her, I would expect that vengeful attitude to mm-hmm. come out in that moment, and it didn't. It didn't. It was very bizarre to me. I'm thankful for it because oh, I feel like it was almost a little bit of mercy. Yeah. <laughs> because I was trying to envision when she comes back and she's Ledger holds her in his lap and sees the blood on her shirt and lifts her shirt oh. and then, like, sees her ankles and kind of pulls her pant leg up. That was rough. That was so... And her arms... The only place that he didn't cut her was where her underwear was. Mm -hmm. And I think her neck and up. Yeah. So I was trying to envision just these razor blade little thin slits. And those are almost more painful than than a deep cut, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. You get a paper cut and it stings like, why does this (laughs) thing hurt so bad? So just to have that all over, oh my goodness. One of the things I found difficult to process was the guilt that they both felt when the other was taken for something they did. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they bring them back. He brings back Ledger that's beaten, you know, almost within an inch of his life. And then Maeve is brought back and she's covered in these cuts. And I think as a person that you're there with, knowing that it was something you did to upset the puppeteer, but they are the ones that received Had to carry out, carry out the that. torture. Oof, that's Ugh, rough. So which bad. Which leads me to when Maeve starts getting an infection and Ledger is feeling responsible mm-hmm. for this and he makes a deal with the puppeteer to get her antibiotics. Mm-hmm. I'm inclined to think that gets some of that guilt that really drew him to go to the puppeteer and say, I'll do whatever. I think it was guilt, but I also think he had already said at that point he cannot survive in there without her. He can't. That's a great point. Because she is his lifeline. Yeah. She is his life support. He says that in his mind over, she is my life support. I cannot not have her in here. So I do feel like he did it because of guilt. But I also feel like it was a little bit... Selfishly motivated. Selfishly motivated. Not bad selfishly motivated, but... I need her to survive. In order for me to keep up the will to survive, I need her to survive. And yeah, I think guilt definitely played a part in that. Plus his heart to to do what he had to do and lay in that coffin. And he tossed dirt on top to make him think he had buried him. How did it it make you feel that Ledger didn't tell her about the coffin? She bypassed, right? I loved him so much for that because he wanted to spare her. And when she later finds out, she's... What devastating. Yeah. Why would you not for tell him. why would you do that? And he just he cared so much for her at that point and wanted her to survive. So he was just already off the charts. Just I loved him. I loved his character, his integrity. That was just another check mark for me. This guy is just phenomenal. So at this point in the story, we've kind of omitted a really large elephant in the room, and that Mm -hmm. is the fact that the puppeteer has led Maeve and Ledger to believe that both of their spouses are dead. Not only dead, but brutally murdered. When he played Becca, screaming and pleading for him to stop, and Ledger just can't take it, was... I, 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 There's so many things in this story that you're just... You can't even comprehend. Right. Enduring. It's so heavy. It's so heavy. They're led to believe that both of their spouses are dead, and at that point, I mean, even surpassing that moment... They both loved their spouses mm-hmm. so 
much. They were in love with their spouses. Mm -hmm. To think about how they're held captive here and the people that they were hoping to come find them, help rescue them, know that they were out there searching for them. The loves of their lives have been brutally murdered. Mm -hmm. The grief. It hit them so hard. It hit them so hard because it was three weeks in and one week passes and she feels robbed of the time. She thinks to herself, Ashton's been gone a month and I was robbed of grieving him. How she describes how Ledger cries quietly except for when he first wakes up and it's a sob because he realizes it's reality. Didn't that just gut your heart out? Oh, this was the part where the tears emoji come in this is where the tears of the story are is the loss of the spouse and the grief that they feel Ugh. i really appreciated the way the author of this story took time for them to grieve Mm -hmm. because they were so in love with their spouses i don't think it would have been believable for these two characters to fall in love with each other with as madly in love as they were with their spouses going into this I really appreciated that she took time for them to grieve. I do too, because I knew that this was going to be a psychological thriller romance. Mm -hmm. And I just could not wrap my brain around them falling in love, being held hostage, and then coming out. And then those relationships falling apart because of the trauma they endured together and now they're bonded. Right. Which, joke's on me, but... (laughs) I agree, because when you think that the spouses are gone, they definitely take time to grieve. Now, it may not be as much time as you would expect somebody who has lost a spouse to grieve in real life. You don't expect them to jump into any kind of feelings for another person within eight months. However, everything is heightened for them. Everything is heightened for them. They're literally being tortured. They're, he's witnessed her almost die. She's witnessed him almost die on multiple occasions. They've been separated. They literally need each other for survival. When she loses the will to live, Ledger pulls her back and helps her find that hope that she needs because he sees she's losing hope. So I think the circumstances were way different and it was easy. But even then they denied their feelings of caring for each other and loving each other until the very end. You mentioned how Ledger was trying once she kind of lost that light. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to bring her back. One of my favorite scenes is when he's holding her and he says, come on, Goldie, shine for me again. You and I are sucker for nicknames. Yes, we are. And that, that was the best nickname for her. It was the best nickname. And I love that he was trying to encourage her Mm -hmm. to, because like you mentioned earlier, she was the reason he's staying alive. He needs her to stay alive in this captivity and... Here, her light is is dimming very quickly. She's grieving so hard, and he's missing her companionship. Not as a lover, but just as a companion. As somebody that's walking through the same thing of what... He's in solitary confinement. They have no windows, a blinking light. I I imagine in the future that would be triggering if a light is ever flickering in your house. Ledger has had a tragic life. His mom has died. His brother, we find out, has died. Then he thinks his wife has died. He needs her. Absolutely. He he hasn't given up yet, even with all the tragedy that has affected him and impacted his life. He still clings to hope, and he needs her too. So I was so thankful that they could just kind of rely on each other and pull each other out of those darker moments. I agree. And that, I mean, we've talked on it briefly a few times, but... The separation and the isolation when he actually separates them, that was one of the torturing moments as well. And those, you know, those hours that they were apart or days even. Days. I can't imagine after being with someone for 24 hours, 24 Mm -hmm. seven, all this time. And then suddenly that panic of feeling like this may be it. I may be on my own forever. Right. And not knowing. I was so relieved for both of them when they were finally reunited. And was, he just hugs her so mm-hmm. tight. I could feel that hug through the, the pages. I I was so thrilled that they were reunited. And I was so thankful that neither of them were beaten or severely tortured while separated either. Mm-hmm. Because that would have been excruciating. But I that is really kind of the turning point where they realize how deeply they do care for each other. But let's move on to another part. Because one of the things that 
it's torture, but they also think this is the end. Let's go ahead and jump to the drowning scene. Let's do it. So they wake up, well, he wakes up, and they are (laughs) strapped to anchors around their ankles, and they're tied up. They're in this giant tank that has massive pipes that are going to dump this water in very quickly, and she is knocked out. He knows that this is probably the end, and he's trying to wake her up. And the puppeteer is teasing him because he knows he's given her too much of the the drug. Yeah. It was so... I kind of thought at earlier they were playing, you know, Two Truths and a Lie, and she said that she was a swimmer. Mm. And I, for some reason, I didn't when I read that. that, I thought, ooh... Mm, I wouldn't have mentioned that. I also felt that was a very dangerous game for them oh, to play to pass the time me because too. the puppeteer was always listening. And they tried to keep a lot of stuff, you know, under wraps. But to be fair, he had listening devices I in was their getting, homes. I was getting ready to say he had already been listening to him for a couple months prior and stuff, which that is alarming on a, a whole other scale. Yeah. But he gets undone and then he has to try to get her undone. And oh, the panic, the panic. But Amy, when she wakes up and they realize they're in there and, and how he tells her, he says, don't listen to him. Look at me. It is just you and I. It is just you and I in here together. And we they are make together. Peace. You're not alone. Ugh. You're not alone. I'm with you. Oh, I, that was a very emotional scene. And I just thought, okay, this is, I know this isn't it because the book's not close to done, but. Yeah, I knew they got out. Get out of that? I knew they got out because they had the counseling. Each of them had a counseling session. Yeah. But when they had just made peace with each other and the fact that this is it, this is how we're going out, and they were telling each other goodbye, basically emotionally, that was very emotional to read. It was very emotional to read, and I was so thankful that obviously they make it out of that. But I feel like that was also a turning point because he watches her go out first. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Poor Ledger. I know. Because He's he just suffered so much. He suffered so much and he didn't want, you know, to lose her. So, okay, let's pick up because we've got some... We've got some things to discuss. We've got some things to discuss. So, so not long after the drowning scene, they are rescued, which is real celebratory. I was very excited for them. They get to the hospital. The puppeteer does get away. Let's talk about the hospital scenes and just how, first of all, she freaks out when they're trying to separate them. They realize they have to have the same room together. They have each other. And then this is the moment they find out their spouses are alive. I felt like I'd been kicked in the stomach. Did you not suspect the whole time that they were alive? I did briefly. And then I thought to myself, well, maybe not. I kind of went back and forth. The scene where the puppeteer makes him choose in hiding, yep. in captivity, and that. he actually says he chooses Maeve to mm-hmm. live. I knew that that scene was going to come back to bite him with Becca. So even in that moment, I'm thinking their spouses are more than likely alive. Yeah, when he asked that, I kind of thought that that was an odd question to ask since Becca was already dead. Mm-hmm. So I found that odd. The confirmation that they were alive was startling. Yes. Absolutely and when they startling. came in... My heart broke for Ledger in the scene when when Ashton comes in and he embraces her and Ledger's response to his surprise is that he flinches. Mm-hmm. And my heart hurts so bad for him. Because yeah, he wanted to be the one to comfort her. Yes. Yeah. Because they're obviously in love with each other at this point. Yeah. It was, it was unbearable. At one point in the story, he thinks, I'm in love with two women. Mm-hmm. And you don't ever think that that's going to happen to you. But here's a real life scenario... <laughs> For, well, not real life, hopefully. But here's the scenario where that has happened for somebody. Absolutely. You know, you, you just don't. And, and it's a legitimate. Anticipate. It's a legitimate confliction to feel because he was in love with Becca and he grieved Becca and then he fell in love with Maeve. Yeah. So that I did not envy. But oh, let's go back to the respect that these people have because... Once they pull them apart again at the hospital, they recognize that they can't see each other. Of course, he gets transferred because his parents have a lot of money, or his dad does, but they don't have contact. When it did that three-month jump, you know I hate time jumps. I know you hate time jumps. And this was such a little one, but the torture I felt. Were you shocked to find that they had had zero contact since that moment in the hospital? Absolutely, but then I also understood it. And I, respe- I respected it. I really did. 
because you're trying to you're trying to deal with the trauma which would be hard enough but then you're on top of having to deal with the trauma and the just the emotional and psychological damage that's been done to you i feel like emotionally that they were damaged and grieving their spouses Mm -hmm. because now your spouse learning your spouse is alive that's going to take its toll so i was kind of happy that she wrote it that they didn't have contact as hard as it was for my heart i felt that they both recognized they love their spouses and their marriages deserve a shot they don't deserve to dissolve because you have bonded over trauma. Because it is true to sit there and think, oh, I'm so in love with this person, when you may not really be in love with them. You may just have this shared trauma. You see what I'm saying? I hate that you're right, but you're right. Yeah. My heart I don't like it, it either, My girl, heart you know. hates it. As, as the romantic, I really want, you know, they've shared over this bond and this time, but you're right, out of respect to their marriages mm-hmm. and their spouses. You know as a reader that there's going to be some conflict and reasons why they're going to work out in the end. But yeah. in that moment, you don't know that. You don't know the details of that. And mm-hmm. so you want to be respectful of the spouses. And I hate that you're right. Yeah, well, let me tell you, that need to work on the marriage quickly was falling away. Because <laughs> let's jump to when she starts having, we know that she has two sisters Um, Elva and Eden and she loves him so much they do family dinners now that she's back the second her sister is late to dinner you know Elva is late to dinner and it's just weird that whole I made notes right away her behavior was just so red flag yeah and he's shoveling food in his mouth Mm -hmm. like won't look up and I thought to myself Ashton what did you do Mm -hmm. what did you do hmm As a reader, you have a sigh of relief thinking this is the way their marriage is going to dissolve, essentially allowing them to be together. You don't want, you know, you don't want anybody's marriage to dissolve or fall apart, but for the sake of Ledger and Maeve. Yeah, but Amy, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I just felt such betrayal for her because it's her sister. Yes. It just, it's her sister that she, the whole time she's down there, she's talking about she's missing her sister. And we find out that Ashton never had a full-blown affair. Right. It was a month before, is kind of the way it sounded, like a month, month and a half before. And he, and he thought she was dead. They, they, he was assuming that she was a dead, yeah, she was dead. He had been hanging out with Eden and Elva, but then when Eden couldn't make it, they were just going to dinner and hanging out by themselves. So I feel like that was innocent. I felt like that was innocent, but you find out that Elva's the one that set them up when they got together. It just, to me, I sat there and, pondered because she says to her later when you know Maeve confronts her she said we never had a brother-sister relationship and I kind of found that a weird statement to make but the first time they kissed they were drunk Mm -hmm. and grieving and then the second time it happens and the third but it was the night before she was rescued yeah but I loved what Maeve said because he makes the assumption that Ledger she had you know asked him that question of what would you do and he says well I would do it for survival to get back to you his instant reaction to that made me livid. And when she asked her sisters that, you could, it right off the bat, you, yeah, knew, you knew they had done stuff because Elva's reaction was too off. Do you think his reaction was so quick to say he would sleep with Becca because he wanted justification for what he had done with Elva? Yes, I do. Because when she confronts him about Elva, he says, it's not what you think. And she says, if it's not what I think, then how do you know which sister I'm referring to? Burn! Burn, yeah, you sleaze bag. <laughs> she was, my whole thought, he says, we thought you were dead. But he assumed that her and Ledger had had slept together because mm-hmm. of the question she presented. She said, I never slept with Ledger. Yeah. And he said, but we thought you were dead. She goes, I had confirmation you were dead. Mm-hmm. You assumed I was dead. You couldn't wait a full year to see if I would be found. Yeah. It just... It was icky. It was very icky and I really struggle with it. And I talked to my husband about this because... I instantly want to jump to conclusions. I want to be furious with Ashton. I want to be furious with Elva. I want to wring their necks. How could you do this? I'm so angry with you. But until you're in the position that they were placed in, where somebody, your spouse, your sister has been taken, you don't 
know where. I mean, he was there. He was attacked. But he doesn't know where. They can't find her. I imagine there's so many emotions. There's so much grief that I don't want to judge a person because until you're in that position, you can point fingers all day long and say, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. How could you do that? But you don't know. Right. You don't know how you're going to feel. You don't know how you're going to react. And there's no way to know Yeah. something so, like that. Now, with that all being said, I still think Ashton was a jerk and I don't like Elva and I probably wouldn't <laughs> want to be at family dinners with my sister anymore. Yeah, that would after be that. Awkward. So, but it opens up the door for her and Ledger. So let's shift into the investigative reporter who reaches out to them and who ultimately helps them solve this case. But real briefly, I just want to talk about the scene where Ledger and Maeve are reunited for the first time after all this time, and ultimately the end after they visit with this investigative reporter when they're basically saying goodbye and they know that this is the last time they should see each other. That was very, very heartbreaking to me. Yeah, I love the reaction how he sees her and he wants to wait until she gets out and doesn't want to get out of the car. And he's talking in his mind like, yeah, I spent a little bit of extra time on my parents today too. Yeah, (laughs) she flips her mirror down. I thought that that was sweet. I just... Again, I loved him so much because he respects her boundaries. They're trying so hard to be faithful and work through their stuff. It's got to be spouses, so traumatic so. And, and hard for them to move on. Yeah. Knowing what they know and sharing, having shared what they shared. We know that with this investigative reporter, she really cracks this case yes, wide she open. Does. She, the cops have not figured anything out. She figures it out. So we learn that the puppeteer is actually named Grant. Mm-hmm. And... Then it just kind of really unravels very quickly yes, it once does. that happens. So Ledger goes home, Becca's not home, Ledger gets a call, and who does he hear on that phone? Ugh. The puppeteer. The puppeteer. Oh, so terrifying. But he had just gotten off the phone with Rain, who is the investigator, and so he is trying to call Maeve. He can't reach Maeve. The panic. Ooh. The panic. So then the puppeteer tells him where to go. He ends up at Maeve's house. And I knew when he walked in, I knew Becca was going to be in there. Mm -hmm. I knew when he couldn't see her car, she was going to be there. So now we've got Maeve, Ledger, Becca, Ashton. Family reunion. (laughs) Family reunion. And we know at this point, Ashton and Maeve, they're having their marital problems. They've had their whole talk about, you know, the sister and whatever. And the puppeteer does not shield himself. He has no mask on. He lets them see him in all his glory. Amy, let's talk about the bomb that gets dropped in the middle of this room. What did you think when he calls out Becca? Mind blown. For them having a relationship? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And having her to murder Ledger. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I... Yes. So when I was suspecting that she was involved... Okay, I have to backtrack and say when they very first woke up in the room, I thought both of their spouses were working together. Okay. I thought that too. So I thought that her husband was disguising his voice is what same. I thought. So to come to the end and, and see that Becca is indeed involved in all of this, but not with Ashton. Yeah. He, she's involved with Grant, the puppeteer, mm-hmm. and she was expecting him to kill them. Right. Oof. That was a doozy. Yeah. And she didn't realize they were being held tortured. No. She didn't know that. So she was like, shame, shame, Grant. That's but, not what I asked you to do. But she was the one who made the anonymous she was, call. She was the one that made the anonymous call because she started getting suspicious of his behavior. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's in this full-on relationship and she is wanting revenge because Ledger and his younger brother were in a car wreck. His brother was driving, but it came out that Ledger was driving and it killed her sister. Mm-hmm. Her whole family spirals after that. She ends up having to go into foster care and she just wants vengeance. She finds out in that moment, Ledger wasn't the one driving the car. Yeah. And his brother felt such guilt that he had committed suicide. Usually in these scenarios, it is a bit of a revenge story, typically. And there's some kind of tragedy that's happened to the person who's bestowing all these um, bad feelings or bad actions on people. And and it was kind of obvious to me that with her being an, with Maeve being an OBGYN, that the puppeteer was going to be, yeah, yeah, the reason. That he lost a wife and a baby. I figured her out very quickly. And then when he, when Ledger was not letting her know he had a brother Mm -hmm. up until the end, I knew it was going to come back to that car wreck. Yes. But I did not think it would be Becca's sister. I didn't either. I did not see that coming at all. And I was so happy that I was surprised and shocked because... 
I saw how Ashton and Elva had destroyed that. Like, I knew Maeve and Ashton's marriage was going to crumble because of the whole scenario. And, I mean, Elva says she's in love with her sister's husband. So, yeah, yeah that's not going to bode well. <laughs> I could not figure out how Becca was going to get out of the way. I didn't either. So, th- she, that was kind of a mind-blown moment for me. A good one, though, because she she has a very likable personality the mm-hmm. way that she's described. Because she's kind of carefree and doesn't get upset. And so... <laughs> I guess she apparently she really does. <laughs> right. So well done on your acting. It was just such a shock. I hated it in the end still that Ashton and Maeve were not able to make it work. But she kind of explains us as we'd never really made sense, did we? You know, I don't think I could have joked about it the way she did. <laughs> she was like, maybe after some time he'll shoot his shot with Elva. I'm like, mm, no, I don't know. Too think, soon. Too soon. I don't think I would feel that way at all. I, I just... I couldn't get past that, but because they were married for like six or seven years. A long time. And like Becca and Ledger had only been married less than two years, so. Well, they had been together for a year and a half. They had been married for five months. Yeah. Like he was held hostage longer than he was married. That crazy. was crazy. So, but they get there happily ever they after. They get there happily ever after, and it's so special. So sweet. I love when she goes to him and she says, I didn't want to waste any more time with this ache. And just, they know life is too short. Yes. And um, everything gets resolved. And so Grant does not make it. The puppeteer, he doesn't make it. Becca, she she gets shot, but she ends up making it. But she has to go to prison for mm-hmm. what she had done and stuff. So it ends out really well. I loved Ledger so much. He just, his integrity throughout this story just really warms my heart. Oh, mine too. It, it was a phenomenal story. I haven't read anything quite like this i've read stuff similar psychological thriller but not not like this this one surprised me in such the best way so okay i have a song for this before we wrap up the entire time i was reading it the second that ledger said she is my life support sam smith life support came to mind oh and i listened to that and i thought this is so fitting because that's exactly what she is for him yes so if you haven't that's such a great song i love it so if you have not heard life support by sam smith you need to go look it up it fits this story perfectly if you have another song that you would pair with it shoot us up on Instagram or Facebook. Let us know. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and you want to continue the discussion with us. We'd love to hear from you. What were your favorite parts? Were you shocked by anything? Did you connect with Sarah or myself on any of the discussion points that we covered today? Hit us up on Instagram at Postbook Depression Podcast. On Facebook and our Postbook Depression Discussion Group. You can also always email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading. <laughs>